Welcome to the Tweet Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar-related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweet Couch, we are counseling on wrist problems. There is nothing more frustrating than being musically inspired or having a gig coming up, but not being able to do it because of health problems. As mentioned in the podcast intro, I am not a licensed therapist, but I am a doctor. I have a doctorate in chiropractic from Parker University and have been licensed to treat patients in the state of Texas since 2012. My scope of practice allows me to diagnose and treat humans who suffer from musculoskeletal conditions. These are things that are mostly joint related, but the muscle is involved as well. So I think it might be time for me to educate the world on probably the most personal subject that can plague a musician. The injuries that limit your ability to play. I don't plan on making this a weekly series, but anytime I can't get Jason, Lloyd, Andrew, Beth, John, or anyone else to do a group therapy session with me, I think it would be fun to just hear a little bit from Dr. T about some issues, mechanics, ailments, conditions, or whatever is body and musician related that might prevent you from being able to play guitar. Now, there are many reasons someone might be limited in their ability to play at the level in which they once did. One of the more common ailments I have seen is wrist problems. From fractures and arthritis to carpal tunnel, sprains, and strains, wrist issues can prevent a musician from doing the thing that they love as a hobby or, for professionals, the thing they do to pay the bills. But... What causes wrist pain? Should I go see a doctor? Can wrist problems be prevented? Is there a way to treat it at home? Can you play with a cast? And did WebMD really diagnose wrist pain as Lyme's disease, hypothyroidism, or lupus? Well, we will discuss this and more on this episode of The Tweed Couch. Well, first, it is important to note that any problem in the human body could be a sign of something much worse going on in that location or somewhere else in the human body. If you have experienced a trauma or been dealing with this issue for a long time, then it is important that you seek professional help. With all that said, today we will look into the wrist, which is relatively easy to diagnose and treat. Of course, this is a podcast and there is no real substitute for a doctor being able to physically interact with the patient and come up with a proper diagnosis and treatment for someone's ailments and needs. Of course, I get it. Long wait lines, crummy insurance, exorbitant costs, COVID, all these things can lead you to not going to the doctor, but please know that the internet is often a terrible place to seek medical advice. This is not an acceptable substitute. Much like guitar forums, you really are at the mercy of random people speaking to their experience and not to the science. Of course, there are a lot of medical sites out there that can be really helpful. But if you don't know how to properly word your problem, or filter out the ridiculous possibilities, then you could set yourself up for catastrophic failure. Case in point is WebMD. For fun, 
I took the symptoms of our first problem and I entered them into that website. The symptoms entered into WebMD Symptom Checker were wrist pain, stiffness, hurts when moved, numbness, and weakness. These are all pretty general statements, except for one, which is numbness. This word triggers a multitude of red flags, and I guess it probably also did for WebMD's algorithm. Because the possible diagnosis options from WebMD were Dequervain syndrome, which is tendon inflammation, carpal tunnel syndrome, which is a fallen wrist arch, herniated disc, which we're talking about the neck and the discs of the spine, broken wrist, but of course, I didn't put anything in about trauma, multiple sclerosis, which is a demyelinating neurological condition, which is just a fancy way of saying what allows your body to do what it does doesn't move so fast because your body's attacking the nerves. That's good enough for what you need to understand. RA, which is rheumatoid arthritis, and that actually kind of makes sense. Lyme's disease, which comes from ticks and acts like arthritis, so once again, no trauma. Gout, which this is an arthritis often associated with diet. Systemic lupus erythematosus, which that's lupus, and generally there are swollen joints and it will cause some issues, but usually you also have a rash, coughing up blood, organ failure, and then of course there's hypothyroidism, which is fatigue, weight gain, brain fog, and can cause some joint inflammation. So obviously, if these are your options, you should seek a medical professional. So like I said, if a patient comes in and they present with these types of symptoms, wrist pain, assuming it's without trauma and it's progressive over time, stiffness, pain with range of motion, weakness, numbness and tingling, one of the first things I'm going to check because of the numbness and tingling is I'm going to check for carpal tunnel syndrome. The good news is, is that carpal tunnel syndrome is actually pretty easy to test. What I do is I take a pen or pencil and I lightly brush the palm of both hands with equal pressure and then ask this one simple question. Does it feel the same on both sides? That's it. I just ask, does it feel the same on both sides? And if it does, if they say yes, then I move on with the testing. I do Tenille's test. I do Phelan's test. I do compression or percussion test, which are all different types of tests that trigger for carpal tunnel. If the answer is no, and I'll be honest with you, in 10 years of practice and possibly 50 to 100 patients who have presented with these findings, the answer is almost always no. I will tell them that they most likely do not have carpal tunnel, and we will start to check for some other things. Like possibly it is in the neck. It could be neck-related. Maybe it's brain-related. Maybe they've got a problem in their brain. But it also could be the elbow. Now, I will never forget this patient that I had at one time, and I will call him Cade. Cade said that he had suffered from carpal tunnel for five years, but he was 17 years old. He had been treated multiple times over that five years, and because he was only 17, they decided not to do surgery. He was a musician. 
He played a wind instrument, had his arms up, his hands turned. They also call that pronated. And I did a simple test of checking sensory of the palm of his hand. Now, without getting too technical, I'll just say this. The nerve that goes through the carpal tunnel, which is a tunnel in the wrist, is mostly for motor function. You know, moving muscles. The nerve for sensory, which is for feeling things, does not usually go through this tunnel. So if carpal tunnel is a condition where the nerve is trapped in the tunnel, then sensory should be fine. But that was not the case for Cade. His sensory was not fine. Therefore, he probably doesn't have carpal tunnel. So I tested another area that was closer to the elbow, and sure enough, he had another condition. This condition was called pronator Terry syndrome. We ended up treating this for about two weeks, and in two weeks' time, something that he had been treated for for five years was gone. I actually talked to him not too long ago, and it is now three years later, and he has not had one single flare-up or symptom since. But this is not a elbow podcast. This is about the wrist and the problems with the wrist. So with that said, I have treated carpal tunnel before. So let me give you a few things that can help you and inform you of some options that you may have. Keep in mind that the most common cause of carpal tunnel without any underlying conditions is repetitive bending and gripping. Usually power tools or some kind of office keyboard, but obviously slinging the guitar low for the show and letting it go can cause some major problems down the road. Actually, I like that. I may have to copyright that and make that a slogan or something. I don't know. But as far as treating is concerned, another thing to keep in mind is that the main goal is not to decrease pain. Instead, it is to restore function. As you restore function, pain will go away. As you restore function, you decrease numbness. In practice, we suggest using a wrist brace or a cock-up splint, and the reason why we want you to do that is so that you don't subconsciously curl up the wrists at night, which of course will cause more of a fallen arch. You can also ice the wrist 10 to 20 minutes a few times a day. Now, as a chiropractor, we will adjust, which will induce motion. It will also enable the mobility in all of the range of motions in which you need. Make sure that you stretch your wrist in the morning and the afternoon and do range of motion exercises to build strength. Actually, I'll go over some stretches and some exercises in a bit, but if none of this helps after a couple of weeks, then you should definitely seek a medical doctor's advice. This is all just in case you might need a steroid injection just to get you over the hump or, as a last resort, carpal tunnel release surgery. Of course, you should probably also change your lifestyle a bit, which means that you should lighten your load. Bring a dolly, a cart, or even a roadie to carry amps, guitars, pedal boards, or sound equipment. Wear a brace as you're doing load in and setup. Raise your guitar so that you don't have to flex your wrist so much, and if it's your strumming hand, then maybe it's okay that you go ahead and wear that wrist guard just as some extra added support until you can get through this problem. 
Now I'm gonna go ahead and give you some stretches that you should do to help prevent really almost any wrist condition, but I would actually also recommend them to anyone before they play as a preventative measure. One of the most important areas to stretch for better wrist function is actually your forearm. The forearm flexor stretch is a must for anyone who is trying to solo like Johnny Hyland, Steve Vai, or really any guitarist of Leonard Skinner on Freebird. You do this by putting the fingers in the palm of your other hand or possibly putting your fingers on the edge of a table or the back of a stable chair. Basically, it's like putting your hand up to say, stop, and then with your arms straight, add some pressure to stretch out the front of your forearm. Hold it for five seconds and then do the other wrist. When you're done with that, do the extensor side by flexing your palm down like saying, kiss the ring or kiss the back of my hand. Put the palm of your other hand over your knuckles and then straighten your forearm again. The whole purpose is to add some pressure to your hand. In both of these, you should feel a stretch in your forearm. If you don't, then stop what you're doing because you are probably doing it wrong. Keep in mind that what you are trying to stretch is the arm in which you are trying to straighten. You can also stretch the pinky and the thumb side of your wrist by doing the same thing, but I would suggest that you hold those stretches at a shorter amount of time, maybe something like three seconds a piece. After stretching out, massage the muscles of the fingers, palm, back of hand, wrist, and forearm. If you have a stress ball, squeeze it about 10 times with each hand and you've now warmed everything up. That said, don't overdo anything. If you feel too much discomfort, you should always stop. As for exercises, I'll talk about those after I talk about the next risk condition that ails a guitar player. The next issue that we're going to deal with is soft tissue injuries. Now, we could say that there are a bunch of different types of soft tissue injuries, but we're really going to go into three different kinds. The sprain, strain, and dequair vein. First, the sprain. A sprain is a damage to a ligament. You know you have this issue if pain occurs not only when you move it, but when someone else moves it for you. Sprains can be adjusted by a chiropractor with care, and depending on how bad it is, you could possibly start doing exercises right away. You may choose to brace, but the goal is to try and get it moving as soon as practical. Sprains are different than strains in that they deal with muscles. Muscles that are damaged generally hurt when you move them, but not as much when someone else moves it for you. Again, a chiropractor can adjust this, and with exception of a wrist brace, you can do all the same stretches and exercises that you did with carpal tunnel. The last one I mentioned was dequair veins. This is a lot like tendonitis. This is a condition of a tendon swelling that gets worse with use. You can do all the things that were mentioned before for a sprain, except I would add one other method, which is ice massage. Ice massage is where you take an ice cube, move it in tiny little circles around in the inflamed area. You may want to have a towel handy to keep the water from getting all over the place. And the rule for how long you treat this area is C-band 7. First, you will feel cold. There's the C. Then burning, that's the B, 
then achy, there's the A, finally numbness, there's the N. So that's C-ban. And the reason for the seven is if you never reach numbness, then seven minutes is the max amount of time that you treat. Now, to be clear and upfront, I will say that I have not seen dequer veins very much in practice. I have seen a lot of tendonitis, and I've treated tendonitis mostly doing the exercises, doing the stretches, and doing ice massage, and it has worked wonders. But dequer veins is a little bit different, although still on the same track. Speaking of exercises, you know, really the goal of doing exercises and stretches is to try to regain some sort of stability in the joint. With that said, if you can do an exercise without any weight and against gravity, then you should probably try that exercise with weight and gravity. So try doing a certain motion with your hand hanging over a flat surface, a table, chair, guitar amp, bass player, we got to have a use for them, you know, whatever. If flexing is what you want to do, then supinate your wrist, that's putting your palm up, and flex the wrist without any weight 10 times. If that was easy, then add a weight. Maybe a guitar pedal, a bottle of bourbon, a Les Paul, no, that's way too heavy, um, a Strat, Something, well, not a strap from the 70s, but use something to be able to try and do that flexing and do it 10 times. The same process is used whenever you are trying to do extension. Just put it over a table, put it over a chair, put it over a keyboard. We have to have a use for them somehow. And then try and do extension exercises without any weight against gravity. So now your hand is going to be pronated. That's putting your palm down. And extend the wrist up 10 times. If that was easy, then put a guitar pedal, a bottle of bourbon, definitely not a Les Paul, not a 70 Strat, maybe a mandolin, could be a champ, whatever, and try and do those exercises. The next step is to try and do ulnar and radial deviation. That's a fancy way of saying, do the exercise side to side with your hand. Go towards your thumb or go towards your pinky. Now keep in mind, your goal is always to have gravity and gravity goes down. So make sure that you put your arm on a table, on a chair, on a guitar amp, on a drummer, whatever, gotta find a use for them, and then be able to ulnar and radial deviate pinky side and thumb side exercises using no weight, just gravity. If that was easy, then add some of the things that we've talked about already to add some weight to it. Ultimately, we want all of these exercises to be done with 10 reps and three sets. The goal is to always have good form. So if you have poor form or moderate discomfort, then you need to stop. If you start it with a weight and you can't really go on, you can always finish the reps without weight. That is always a possibility. Now, all of these conditions that I've talked about so far are ones that I could treat, but I do have an example of a wrist condition that I could not treat. And I have a story that goes along with it, and it's about my bass player playing in a cast. But first, 
If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year, in 2021, we have two festivals. Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. So this is a story about Josh and he was the bass player in my band. Now his energy and charisma were qualities that were hard to match. You see, Josh is a climber. He climbs scaffolding. Amps, drums, people. One time he even ended up in the rafters of a horse barn while playing bass until the timing was just right to fall back on stage. Needless to say, Josh made many stage decisions without thinking the consequences all the way through. Interesting story, he also jumped off an amp at one point when I jumped off my amp and we ended up colliding in the center, and he took a chip out of the body in my Les Paul. Let's just say that when our timing wasn't great, the show was still awesome. One time, while taking a break from touring, he went to his mom's house in Montana. And for those that don't know, there is not a lot of entertainment to be had in Montana. So if you're really looking for something to do, you got to make it up yourself. So Josh decided to go snowboarding. Long story short, he broke his left wrist, which is his fretting hand. Not his best moment, but it put us in a situation where we had to decide how to do future bookings. As Liam, our drummer, and I were figuring out what to do, Josh sent us a text and he said that he would be able to play. Now you might be asking yourself, How was he able to play with a cast? Well, essentially what he did was he hiked up his bass, ignored the damage that the cast was doing to the neck on his bass, and then continued to climb and jump off of things as best he could. And actually, I hate to say it, but I think he put on a better show with the cast than without. Now, ultimately, I can't do anything for a fracture. You gotta wait for it to heal, let the cast do its thing, hopefully no pins are needed, anything like that. But when that's all done, the amount of therapy and adjusting and all of those things is actually not much different than what we've already talked about. Do range of motion exercises, do stretches, and then of course, get adjusted because it will aid in mobility. The last condition that I think I will go into actually affects one in five Americans. And this condition is arthritis. There are many forms of arthritis, but they all have this in common, joint inflammation and often joint destruction. Although some cases of arthritis are autoimmune or diet related, 
the most common form occurs with age. Osteoarthritis occurs as cartilage wears away and becomes rough. Contrary to popular belief, those who suffer from osteoarthritis get better and decrease pain with movement, so it is in your best interest to keep playing and play often. Now, you know that you are someone who suffers from wrist arthritis when you have pain in the area and often decreased mobility without any recent traumas. Of course, usually you are over 40 years old, although that is not the hard, fast rule. As mentioned before, a great way to decrease complications from arthritis is to keep moving. Do your stretches, do your exercises, as mentioned before, and check your ergonomics and how you wear your gear. All of this, plus possibly even adding some heat to the joint, is really nice in regaining mobility. It is also important to minimize repetitive motions, which, of course, is what guitar players do. Some studies have shown that anti-inflammatory foods and supplements such as glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, omega-3 fatty acids, turmeric with curcumin, and minimizing smoking and drinking will all help in decreasing inflammation as well as helping your digestive tract. Of course, when it comes to arthritis, chiropractors can help with that, but you may need the help of a rheumatologist, a medical doctor, a massage therapist, an acupuncturist. There's a lot of different methods in which to help arthritis in the short term as well as the long term. With all of that said, I have had a number of patients who suffered from a form of arthritis that were worship leaders, and they were unable to play without pain. After just a few adjustments, they were able to do quite a bit more, and after a true treatment plan, they were able to get through more things much better over long periods of time. It's probably important to note that arthritis is a chronic condition, meaning that it's going to be around for a long time. So really, the better that you can treat your body, the more you invest in yourself, the better off you will be in dealing with the arthritis. To bring this session to a close, let's just say this. Deciding that you can just play with the pain is not a good practice. Take the symptoms seriously. Don't put off getting some help from someone who knows what they are doing and can treat the condition and not just the symptoms. Be mindful of the ergonomics. Raise the guitar up if you need to. Sure, it looks sweet slung low, but it's a whole lot sweeter when you can play for longer than five minutes without numbness, loss of strength, and pain. I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever used a slide and I have a guitar slung low, my hand will fall asleep, so ergonomics do matter. Maybe the neck shape is too big. Maybe it's too small. Or maybe it's just an uncomfortable shape or width. My 2015 Gibson Les Paul Jr. has a wide neck. I have to move my wrist a lot to get around it. My 2011 Gretsch White Falcon has a fat body like an acoustic. If I ever need to play anything higher than the 14th fret, I'm tweaking my wrist to do so. So ergonomics are a big deal and you should really look at them. Also, be smart with the load in and load out. Just because you can carry it 
doesn't mean you should carry it. If you notice that you have wrist pain, it is okay to wear a brace or a guard when doing setup and teardown. It's also not quote-unquote weak of you to use a dolly or a cart to move gear from one place to the other. If anything, it makes you smarter and more wise towards the greatest investment you have. Which brings me to the last thing. It's you. You need to take care of yourself. Whether you have arthritis, a sprain, strain, tendonitis, or simply want to be preventative. Be sure to stretch every time before you play or lift things. Be mindful of the foods and the habits that cause inflammation. Do the exercises a couple of times a day, multiple times a week. Also, remember to ice when you're finished if you have a known issue. Because after all, you can't make guitar music if you can't play. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, please leave five stars and a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. And remember, you are your greatest asset. 